What's up, guys, and welcome to Around the Oval, the new podcast that looks into the Ohio State student experience. I'm your host, Rohan Makajani, and to get things started, we're just going to lay the foundation for what this podcast is going to be exactly, just so you guys know what's to come in future episodes. So for each episode, I plan on having a student, a member of staff, or faculty at Ohio State to come on and highlight their experiences. And then after that interview, another student, Ben Kapler, and I, we're going to rank something OSU-related and then discuss it. So expect some hot takes there, expect some controversy over what dining hall is the best, over what's the best pizza off campus, and whatever we really come up with to rank. And so the idea for this podcast came from me scrolling through Instagram, scrolling through the Humans of New York feed, and just really falling in love with that concept. And I thought it'd be cool if we were able to bring that to OSU to highlight some of the really cool experiences and opportunities that students are having. So we can get on with the first guest I have with me, Andrew Benvenuto. How's it going, Andrew? Pretty good, Rohan. We're going to get things started. So you're an out-of-state student. I am. Where are you from? New Jersey. Morristown, New Jersey. It's about a hour drive west of New York City. How'd you end up landing here? Yeah, it was funny. So I get asked that question probably once a week from somebody I meet, somebody new I meet. Everyone's curious how an East Coast kid ends up here. So going back to high school, thinking about what I wanted for college, I knew I wanted a big school, a lot of students, came from a pretty big high school, and football. Football wasn't a big thing. You know, playing it throughout my entire life, being a fan, I wanted somewhere where I can go and continue that passion. So my eyes immediately went to the Big Ten, schools like Rutgers, Penn State, um, mainly those two, since that's where most people in my area go. So I visited Penn State, loved it. Rutgers, a little bit lower on my list, but once I got a taste of like the true Big Ten, I kind of knew that's where I wanted to go. So it's funny, my mom was doing some research about colleges online, saw an article about Ohio State, learned a little bit more. Um, we came, took a visit, took a road trip out to Columbus, Ohio, which I figured would just be farm town and nothing much else. But just one random August weekend, we came out here, and pretty much when I stepped on campus, I knew, I was like, this is the one. Do you think you had that feeling anywhere else when you were visiting colleges? I had hints of it, mainly at Penn State. My choice came down between those two, but, you know, I know, tough. I'm glad I came out on top in a couple (laughs) football matches there. Um, Yeah, you know, the feeling on campus, the energy here, the school spirit, um, was really what solidified that choice. And now getting Buckeye fever and being a part of this here has reaffirmed that choice every day. Some people might think it's weird to pick a college based on the spirit and sports culture that's surrounding that university. Do you find it silly that you were drawn so heavily to Ohio State because of what a Buckeye is and what a Buckeye represents, and specifically in terms of football? Yeah, I think in hindsight, maybe I should have considered more um, in making that decision. But, you know, like visiting, that was, that was more the initial draw. Like, I remember back when I was eight or nine years old watching Troy Smith and learning about Ohio State and getting that name in my mind. But coming here, the spirits was stuck out the most. But I think one thing that really solidified my choice was seeing the effort that administration puts in to students. You know, hearing about the thousand different clubs on campus, all the opportunities for travel. I think it was important to have that initial sports draw and that sports culture to get kind of my foot in the door and get me interested. But then really seeing all the opportunities here were really solidified it. So I think, in hindsight, it's a little silly, but definitely led me down to the right path. Definitely. So you're coming from New Jersey, so you drive up to Columbus, you drive up to your dorm, and now you're settled on campus. 
I'm sure a lot of out of state students might feel especially out of their element just from having 18, 19 years in one state and then moving to a completely new location, not knowing many other people there. Can you maybe talk about how that adjustment period was for you and any difficulties that may have came from that? Yeah, definitely. It's funny. So my whole family drove out with me. Um, and I remember getting to campus for an early arrival program I did through the Moral Scholars Program. My mom said once we got to campus, I was green. I was so nervous. I wasn't really talking much. I was freaking out. Um, so Columbus is about a nine-hour drive from home. And I didn't realize how far that was going to be until I got here and my parents left. I was like, whoa, it's legit now. Like, I'm really, for the most part, on my own here. Um, I was still have the support from all my family, but being that far away, it's, it's tough. So I just remember having butterflies in my stomach for the better part of the first three weeks. I remember being really scared that I was going to fail Gen Chem. I heard horror stories about the Ohio State Chemistry Department. I was worried that I wouldn't meet people in such a big place, even though I knew I wanted a big place. It was a weird mix of emotions there. But yeah, I just remember doing my best to push out of my comfort zone. I think that was the biggest thing helping me transition here. You know, going to the involvement fair, meeting people that way, exploring new options, things like that. Um, saying hi to the person next to me in class. You know, reading those emails, blasts that they sent out and finding the opportunities to meet people. Doing all the things that seem a little cliche and a little corny um, really ended up helping me find my place here. So I think the first semester or so was tough because a lot of that was still up in the air. I didn't really have an established friend group or many people that I knew beyond that four-month period. I know there were a couple of people I met at orientation. But yeah, it took some time, took some adjustment, took a lot of patience. Um, but once I kind of got my footing and continued to really just build those relationships and push my comfort zone, I think I really found my place. Um, yeah, so that idea of maybe pushing outside of your comfort zone, that can be really scary for a lot of kids. And so for some, walking onto that, involvement fair on the oval and seeing a thousands and thousands of club can be really overwhelming what made that experience maybe less daunting what was that first thing that kind of drew you in where you got your feet in the sand and started to make you feel less anxious about the plethora of opportunities that were available to you yeah that's a that's a good question i think what helped um so through the early arrival program i did made a couple of close friends who I still keep in touch with today. Pretty quickly, we had quick connections. So going with somebody else helped a lot. You know, having somebody to talk to in between stands and stuff like that. But I think one thing that helped me a lot was you know, having a clear goal in mind. You know, I've been wanting to be a doctor since the beginning of high school. Um, that's the path I'm still on now. So you know, having that clear goal and hearing a little bit about opportunities you should, that are you know, recommended by older people to kind of help you on that path and help you establish yourself helped. It's kind of brought me to opportunities that I'm interested in probably to people who share that similar goal. It just helped me like get a little bit more of a clear path to get there. So I think having that helped. I know it's something that a lot of students don't necessarily have coming to college. I was pretty lucky that it ended up being the thing that I stuck with. You're really just having a couple of people to support you, like be, be by your side going through it and somewhat of a path. What were some of those specific opportunities that helped you find your footing? It's funny. I, think, I don't think anything I did my first semester I stuck with. It all kind of came really over the course of freshman year, then into sophomore year. Um, one of the big ones was a program called Mentor Buckeye, which unfortunately um, was kind of disbanded. Hopefully they'll bring it back soon. But there I joined in with a cohort of 10 other freshman students to uh, get paired with an underprivileged high school student in the Columbus area. Um, at the time, it was Whetstone High School, and be a four-year mentor for that person. 
so that was a cool initial community that I think started towards the beginning of my second semester, but I got the idea in the fall. And that was a great sense of support for, you know, there was a group of older students. This was the second year the program was running. So I had a couple of resources there. People my age who were from all different majors and facets of Ohio State. Um, so that was a cool little community at the start. And another big one was my fraternity, um, Sigma Phi Epsilon, which has been huge in my personal, professional development, my social life, everything. Really everything in college is kind of surrounded from that group of men, which, you know, we met through that. That's kind of what brought us together. But yeah, those are the big ones. And those, I think having those early on and proving myself by my freshman year that I could connect with people and I wasn't completely alone at this huge place was huge. It was the reason I stuck with Ohio State and kept pushing on. Yeah, so let's, let's dive deeper into Greek life in general. Yeah. I think it's an awesome way to form a community. It's good that you have to wait a semester before joining. But talk to me about that entire process. What was going through your head as a first semester freshman and then in your first week as a second semester student? So a lot of this is going to sound like a huge plug for Sigma Phi Epsilon Sigma, but it is really, really the truth. And that's kind of what brought me down to the Greek life path. So I remember coming into college, I was the most anti-Greek life person you'd probably ever meet. All you hear in the news is hazing and kids dying from drinking too much alcohol, verbal, emotional, physical abuse, all these horrible things that I thought was just the same for fraternities across the board and really all Greek organizations. Um, I remember talking to some fraternities at the involvement fair and being turned off immediately based on the people I met and the way they talked to me, hearing some about their histories on campus. A lot of it really turned me off. But I actually talked to the SIGEP stand, one of my good friends, actually, Dalton Rowell. He gave me a quick pitch on SIGEP and told me about how they do things a lot differently and how this fraternity was a lot different than other ones, you know. Still have their fun and still do things that college kids should do and enjoy while they're young, you know, but really focus on personal and professional growth. And I was kind of stuck in the back of my mind and um, didn't really consider it a ton because I was pretty focused on school and trying to meet people outside of Greek life. But I ended up applying for a scholarship through the fraternity and, you know, kind of having that to introduce me to the guys and get me around the house and see what they're all about and see them kind of back up what I heard at that involvement fair stand back in August of my freshman year really turned me on to the idea. I knew I saw a lot of potential in making great friends, forming great mentors, and just really enriching my college experience. So I ended up becoming a finalist for the scholarship, um, thinking it was this huge deal. So excited, like starting my college career with a bang. Told my parents about it. They were super excited. We ended up skipping my flight back to school in my second semester to drive to the ceremony. And it's me and my two parents. We drive all the way to Columbus through a ton of snow, a bunch of bad weather, get to the ceremony the day after we arrive and see I'm one of 80 finalists. I was like, I, we just got duped here. Um, so we walk in, start laughing, like, oh, okay. But we give it the time. It was like, hey, still have a shot at winning, I guess, even if it is a little bit lower percentages than we thought. But then we really saw what SIGEP was about, you know, how focused they were on everything that, everything just backed up again, just in a more formal ceremony. So it ended up being my parents, after seeing that, kind of encouraging me to pursue Greek life, they saw a good fit for me. And, you know, with their push, I went around the house and got a bid. And now it's been a lot of my most prominent leadership positions, a lot of my closest friends. Um, opportunities that I never would have thought possible after my first semester kind of becoming a reality and sort of the norm for my college experience. So not the most typical, I think, for most kids who end up in Greek life, but still pretty rewarding. Yeah. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that's limited to the fraternity that you're in because I know there are quite a few. I remember walking on the involvement fair myself and seeing I think like good six or seven different fraternities and other Greek life organizations that were promoting their scholarships and promoting what their values were. 
And that really does seem to be a good way to find new people and kind of develop that sense of community very early on. Definitely. Definitely. I think one thing that's really unique about Greek organizations in particular is that a lot of them back up the words they preach, but they're very based on values and finding people who you can share similar values with and really connect with on a deep level. You don't really find in too many organizations. So I think it makes it very special. If it's done right, it can be one of the most rewarding experiences anybody can have. Yeah. Um, Speaking about another type of value, a lot of people feel as though Greek life organizations don't have the most value on campus. And so how do you feel as though that may necessarily not be true? I think in a lot of ways it can be pretty toxic. And you definitely hear the stories that a lot of them have a ton of merit. Some of them are slander towards chapters that people just don't like, but it's really tough to find bonds that close and to really have people Granted, it might not be the entire chapter, but to find a group of 15, 10, 15, 20 guys who really have your back um, is just so valuable. To be there with you through the highs, through the lows, you can really share college with. We're going to challenge you to grow, challenge you to think more about what you're doing, why you're doing it. A lot of that comes from that deep connection that we mentioned before of the values. Um, it's really kind of see inside someone's mind like that. It's just special. It's so special. It really helps you grow and reflect on who you are and why you are doing what you're doing. So I think it's huge. I think it has a ton of value if it's done right. Do you think you were able to find that sense of community elsewhere at Ohio State? Or do you think other students can doing other things? Yeah, I think definitely as long as you find something, um, Greek life isn't for everybody. And it was great for me. You definitely can't assume that if you don't feel like you fit into Greek life, you're a failure or anything like that. People find it wherever you go. Uh, For me, it happened to be just the connection I felt with the people. Then I formed similar relationships with people in my classes, whether it's like going struggling through OCHEM lab together or a physics lecture. Um, just kind of building that camaraderie in some way or another, or really another student organization. It's definitely possible. You just got to seek it out. Be willing to be vulnerable and let people in to help build that relationship. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned that you're a pre-med student. You're majoring in neuroscience. Probably didn't say that, but I know that. that. Yeah, that's all right. (laughs) That with taking on different leadership responsibilities, whether that's through your fraternity, whether that's through mentor Buckeye, how were you able to manage X, Y, and Z and prioritize the things that were really meaningful to you, but while trying to maintain the things that are required for a typical pre-med student? Two words, Google Calendar. Now, I think in, in a, in, on a bigger scale, it's just being organized, I think, and prioritizing. And these are things that people hear all the time, but it really, it's true. Um, you know, there are times where, I got better at this as time went on, but you, know, you can step away from the studying and go have fun with people and stay up late and do dumb college kid shit. But there are times where you have to say no to that and really study and prioritize what you're doing. So I think it's one part, knowing how to do that, you know, kind of the balance you have to strike, but knowing when to do it's huge too. Um, timeliness with that is enormous. But yeah, I think, you know, if you have the drive and you have the passion and you want to make it work, use the people around you and really put your best effort forward, you can make it work regardless. Everyone's balance looks different. Um, I think as long as there is one, that's the most important thing. But you're knowing what you want and how you want to get there. It's huge. And to this day, even three and a half plus years later, still trying to figure that out. And there's still times where I could be better at it. But I think it's a lifelong battle and it'll continue on after college and, you know, graduate school, professional school, work-life balance, family balance later on. Just keeping that in mind and working at it. Tell everyone what you got going on after you're graduating this semester. It's insane, dude. I'm trying to think about it. Um, but yeah, we'll be going to medical school. Fortunate enough to have a couple acceptances so far. Um, it's insane knowing that it's a reality. Thinking back to those early days in Gen Chem Lab where I was thinking, if I can't do this lab, I'll never be a doctor, to, you know, interviewing at schools and 
you know, having them want me and believing me also is enormous. So I'm not sure where I'm going just yet. I still have a couple schools I'm waiting on, so I have to figure out financial aid and where exactly I want to end up. But knowing I'll be taking the next step to becoming a physician is crazy. What was that feeling like when you received your first acceptance into a medical school? Oh, it was, it was awesome. I remember I woke up on Monday, October 15th is the first day you can hear back. And I got a letter from, or an email from the University of Michigan who made a video, a superhero themed video about their medical school and included my name in it and stuff. So I remember waking up in the morning, watched it, and I started calling people. Called my mom at work. She was super excited. Called my grandparents, called my dad, called everybody and just went out to my roommates, told them. And it was just, it was ecstatic. I, it's, it's tough to put into words. It just felt warm, felt right, felt incredible. I just see all the work pay off and all right, so to wrap things up, we're just going to go through some rapid-fire questions. Give us a quick plug for something that you're going to leave at Ohio State that you think other students should get involved with. Book, I thought. I remember since being on fourth year participating, regardless of how, there's a ton of positions you can have. You can be a dancer, team captain, general body. Um, there's a ton of ways to get involved, and it's a phenomenal cause. So for those of you who don't know, Book, I thought, is Ohio State's largest student-run philanthropy. Um, and all the proceeds they raise go directly to the patients at Nationwide Children's Hospital in the hematology bone marrow transplant floor. So it's going to a great cause. It's helping these kids get care regardless of their ability to pay, help support their families, help support their growth and development, all that. I mean, it all culminates with a 24-hour dance marathon in February. I think, I believe this year, it's February 8th and 9th. But it's incredible getting thousands of Ohio State students together in union, dancing for 24 hours, um, playing games, meeting the kids, hearing from the families. I think it's still relatively new on campus compared to other, other traditions, but it's really becoming an Ohio State staple. It's been some of the best memories over my four years. Get to meet awesome people, meet great families, these amazingly strong kids, really just connect with Ohio State, Columbus, and the community beyond. And what's the minimum requirement to be able to participate in the dance marathon? Yeah, so that's, uh, you have to raise $250. It's not impossible. I think they give you a lot of tools to help raise money through social media, through contacting family members. So if you're willing to put the work in, it's definitely a manageable goal, but it won't come just like a snap. Yeah. Definitely been some of my best memories at Ohio State. What's your best memory at Ohio State? That's a tough one. I would say, so this past fall, I had the honor of being on Ohio State's homecoming court. So it was me and about, I think, 19 other students. All are some of the most impressive people I've ever met. And it was an incredible experience. All in all, it was a full week of events. Um, I felt welcome week two back in August. But really, it peaked with, you know, right before the game, homecoming game, crowd of 100,000 people, um, myself and all the other court members went out to the field and they announced our names in front of 100,000 screaming people. I had like 12 family members there, all my friends in the stands. We were just standing there in my sash and suit, dying of heat and exhaustion, hearing my name called and waving. It was something else. It was a surreal moment that I'll never forget. Final question for you. What's one hidden gem at OSU that maybe not a lot of students know about, but you just kind of clung to? Um, this would be for my more studious listeners out there, or your more studious listeners. So one trick I learned early on in college was to use the Ohio State room matrix. And this comes especially big around midterm, final season. If you just Google that, I'll take you to this portal that shows each classroom in every building's schedule. So um, I know a lot of people don't know that you can use classrooms if they're out of use um, to study. It's a pretty, pretty solid option. A lot of people don't know about it. So it's huge. Google Ohio State room matrix. It's kind of tough to navigate a little bit because it's that old, outdated Buckeye Link software. But you can go find the exam schedule, find class schedules, um, and guarantee yourself a spot to study anywhere on campus, north, south, west. No idea that that was a thing. All I knew about was the library reserve a room 
which unless you get it the second the next three days are released you're not getting a room no chance thompson no sel yep or whatever the third library is that nobody's going to go to <laughs> exactly exactly that's wild yeah. so yeah and you can reserve room the whole day as long as you just camp out and make sure there's no classes so it's definitely a good trick all right awesome thank you so much awesome. andrew for coming on thank you man it's been an honor i don't know how to close this out me either all right Thanks. now let's have a moment from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by the q is that an actual company absolutely not what is it that's where i live <laughs> Check us out on Instagram, at the Q. Welcome back from that shameless plug and message from our permanent sponsor at this point. You may have just noticed that the sound quality got dramatically better, and that's because for the entire first half of that episode, the microphone was backwards. I'm a headass. That's okay. We're learning, and that's not going to happen again. Up next, I have with me Ben Kapler, a.k.a. Brother Ben, a.k.a. Benny Boy, Say what's up, Benny. What's up, guys? So every episode, Brother Ben and I are going to talk about something at OSU and rank them, whether that's residence halls, gyms, dining halls, coffee spots, whatever we come up with. It's going to be like one of those Odyssey Online articles that you see on Facebook that all look like spam articles, but they're really just students posting on a blog. So to get us started, we are going to rank the dining halls at the Ohio State main campus in Columbus. And so... Ben and I have thought long and hard about this for about five minutes and have concluded that the worst dining hall at Ohio State, no surprises here, is Moral. Does it have a more formal name? I believe it's called Traditions at Moral Tower. In second, this one might be a surprise to some of you, is Scott, which means in first place is KCOM. And so we're going to run it back. We're going to start with Moral Tower. Ben, let's hear it. Well, Rohan, you mentioned that it's the worst dining hall at Ohio State. I did, and I I stand by that. As someone who's never been there, I would say it might be the worst dining hall in America. You know, I I haven't been there either, so (laughs) um, yeah. We can can just assume, though. I mean, if you look where it is on campus, it can't be that good. There's no reason to even go to it. No, they, they put it that far out for a reason. Right. They don't want kids to go there. It's really just for the kids that are suffering in Moral and Lawrence. I think that's what it's called. Moral and, uh, and Lincoln. But the thing is, you're already going to have to come to campus at some point anyways. And you're sure. so close to the RPAC. Just don't even, even if you live there, just don't go there. Unless it's like a late night snack. I can't imagine they're open past 7 p.m. anyways because it's so irrelevant. They now have that like pizza vending machines though. It's not at KCOM. It's not at Scott. That's a pro, I guess. Not the, not the greatest. I just, I mean, of all the places I want to get my pizza, a vending machine is not usually one. I think you're probably better off just driving to Costco, getting a slice for $1.50. Absolutely. You'll save yourself the stomach ache. And you don't have to waste that precious swipe. Absolutely. That's crucial. Overall, Ben and I have objectively determined that it's just not an experience you need to have as a student at Ohio State. And this is coming from two guys who have never once dined at this fine facility that should tell you all you need to know on to number two scott dining hall this is this is some people's favorite they're gonna take deep offense to this that's kind of the point but all right let's hear the case for it we're not here to avoid ruffling feathers i've been on team kcom for as long as i've been on campus this is a bit of a hot take people love scott because there are just so many options but then you run into the paradox of choice you walk in million different lines i don't even know where to start there's too much there 
It stresses me out. Too many people. It's the same stuff, the same dry chicken every single time, the same over-buttered grilled cheese. I mean, you're spending probably more time waiting in line and looking for a table than you are eating. That brings me to the greatest potential pro for Scott, but it falls short in meeting expectations, is the Mongolian grill that they have upstairs. It's a game changer. But unless you're one of those psychotic Black Friday shoppers who's going to wait in line four hours and then run up when the door opens, you're going to be waiting for a while to get your plate of pasta. And it's just not worth it. No, it's not. With all those options come a lot of waiting time, too many choices that you really don't need. If you went to every single station, you'd find maybe two that you really like. And it's just not worth all that effort. And then after four days, you get tired of it. Right. And that's when you go to KCOM. But back to Scott, back to Scott. They do have the Coke machines everywhere. I don't think the other dining halls have them. And that's, that's something to consider. The one redeeming quality about Scott is their dessert bar. There's a lot to enjoy there. From the cookies, the oatmeal raisin cookies, the ice cream, the froyo, the toppings. KCOM can't stand up to the dessert bar at Scott. And that's mostly because the KCOM ice cream machine was always broken when I was a freshman living in Seabird. Yeah, that makes two of us. Um, I, I rarely got to enjoy the KCOM ice cream machine. I have indulged in many a cupcake at Scott, so that's certainly helped Scott's case, but it's not enough to overcome the glory that is Kennedy Commons. Which brings us to KCOM. I personally think it's so great because of the action station. That thing rotates every week. You're never expecting it unless you're kind of weird and you like make a schedule for it, which I did at one point. Me and my friend had a little system going. But that action station's a game changer. You don't know when you're getting barbecue week. Barbecue week rolls around. You're hyped. Your week is better. Even if it's negative five degrees outside, you're going to KCOM. Brings me to the greatest part about KCOM. Pretty sure like half of South Campus is connected to it underground. Ohio, not the greatest state for weather, but whoever developed South Campus, they had that in mind. And they made those underground tunnels to facilitate thousands of kids being able to roll up to KCOM in their PJs after a Friday night out and enjoy whatever's there at the action station. That's exactly right. If you're a freshman, you've got to live on South Campus. Um, it's the right way to go. Eventually you move north, but you've got to start on South Campus. And even if you're not connected via those tunnels to KCOM, you're so close that you might as well be connected. Personally, I lived in Bradley Hall, a.k.a. Braha. Never had to go outside for a meal. Got that unlimited plan. I practically lived at KCOM. And I'm very experienced in the action station that Rohan mentioned. I can tell you, you're never going to find anything better on campus than the white cheddar mac and cheese from Kennedy Commons. You're not wrong. Scott tried. They tried to do it. They don't live up to it, though. Many imitators, there's only one original. The thrill's not there when you're just walking into KCOM and you see on that TV screen what's on the action station for that week. Just changes your mood altogether. Also, on top of that, KCOM has something that a lot of people shit on, but I think sets them apart from the other two. It doesn't take much to set yourself apart from moral, but it really sets it apart from Scott, and that is the infused water. I've never had a poor experience drinking infused water having an open mind. Well, Rohan, I agree with you. The strawberry-infused water is, as you said, a game changer. Um, if you're skeptical about fruit-infused water, then you probably shouldn't be drinking anyways because it's an amazing combination of something that's essential for life and something that adds a little bit of flavor. Basically, you show up to KCOM. If you don't like the action station, you better hop in the grill line. You can't go wrong there. 
you're a vegetarian, hit up the Solutions Bar. They'll get you right. Very nutritious. Everything is all in one centralized location. You don't need to go to Scott and walk up two flights of stairs just to get a dry piece of chicken. You can get a much better piece of chicken much faster with much fewer people at Kennedy Commons. And there you have it. The objectively correct rankings for the three dining halls at Ohio State's main campus. Keep it simple, stupid. There's no reason to hit up Scott and wait for an hour to get something worse than what you could get at KCOM. It's right there. Don't overthink it. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this first episode of Around the Oval. We'll be back next week in my second interview with Jordan Mosley, so stay tuned for that. We'll be back next week to rank more things. Uh, Next episode, we've got off-campus pizza locations, so stay tuned. So what, we got Blaze, Cecilia's, Catfish. Adriatico's. Apparently moral vending (laughs) machine pizza. Maybe we'll take our first trip to the traditions at Moral Tower and check out the vending machine. You know, if someone wants to Venmo, like a dollar or two, so Ben and I can enjoy that experience, we wouldn't be opposed to it. Also, if you know someone... Or if you yourself has a story and experience at Ohio State worth sharing, always feel free to contact me. My contact information is in the description. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week.